grace of grace and that will be part three and i've been speaking about grace and how the law do not justify no one in the sight of of, of god but we are not saying that the Ten Commandments is not an important component of our work with God. That is not what we are saying. That is not what this message of grace is trying to communicate, that the Ten Commandments is not an important component. That is not, we, that's not what we are saying. But we are trying to say that without the power of God, you cannot even obey the Ten Commandments. If even you say, okay, with all my work with God, I will only obey the Ten Commandments. Without the grace, the power of God, you can't obey the Ten Commandments. That is what we're trying to com communicate. But God made it said that the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that was over 600 of them will lead us to Christ. It will lead us to Christ. Why? Because we realize, and even in our study, that grace could be compared with a civil agreement or the Abrahamic covenant that God made, which the promise that revealed Jesus and the Holy Ghost, that promise is compared to like a civil agreement or a contract if one is signed, sealed, and witnessed, and duly recorded, it stands under the protection of the civil laws of the country where such agreement or contract is signed. And this is the same as the Abrahamic covenant. The promise that was made 430 years God made to Abraham before the Ten Commandments was given to Moses, to the people of Israel, because when this promise was made, the nation of Israel was not in existence. The nation of Israel came into existence at 430 years after, and then when God brought them out of slavery, he had to mold and ship in the people of Israel who were in the wilderness for 40 years how to relate to God, how to serve God, and deal with sin. So through the law, God dealt with the situation of sin and its component of sacrificial substitutionary atonement, sacrificial substitutionary atonement where animal stood in for the sins of man an innocent animal stood in for the sins of a guilty man and was sacrificed that the animal's blood will atone the sin of man but that was a temporary arrangement the law of Moses cannot cancel the, the promise of God through which we have our inheritance. The laws cannot cancel the promise through which we have our inheritance. The promise is the outcome of the coming of Christ and the revelation 
of the spirit. Because the law, three things the law could not do, it could not impact the Holy Spirit. It could not bring perfection. Because the power of the law was, was, was broken by the sins of man. We could not follow all those laws. And three, it could not work miracles. But grace can. And even now, Judaism has its foundation now built on a, 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 a book that has been put together for years, the Talmud. The Talmud is spelled as T-U-T-E-L-M-U-D. The Talmud, which the foundation of Judaism is based on, and the rabbi, when you hear of a rabbi, they get their training from the Talmud. It is commentaries that have been put together by old rabbis. So you see how they have drifted even from the originality of the Ten Commandments itself. And how can that save anybody? The first benefit of grace is Christ has brought us back from the curse of the law. Christ has brought us back from the curse of the law. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. It says, do, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? You are not of yourself. Say, I'm not of my own. I'm not of my own. I belong to God. 20 says, you were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. Honor and glorify God with your body. Not all the stuff that we do, not all the drinking, not all the fornication, not all the mess, the lying, the gossiping, and all the stuff we are addicted to that pulls us away from God. Not all of that, not all the hate, not all the jealousy, and not all the envyness, and not all the confusion. Serve God with your body because what the Spirit of God, your body is the temple of the Spirit of God. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. It says, For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life, inherited by the tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold. But you were actually purchased with precious blood like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Christ. He has chosen, he, he, for he was foreordained for known before the foundations of the world, 
but has appeared publicly in these last days for your sake. He was killed for you. He was, his assignment was already done. But he came to unravel it, to perform it in our sight. Hallelujah. Beloved, what are these scriptures talking about? It says we are no longer a bondage to the laws or sold a slave to the law. And it's death penalty. Christ freed us from all these things being made a curse for us. He was made an atonement for us. Whatever was offered as the atonement for sin was considered as bearing the punishment due to sin. So when he went on the cross, he went on the cross carrying at our back our sickness, our pain, our suffering, our death, and all other things that are as a result of one that is bearing a curse, the mark of a curse on their shelf. Then they are all these are atoned for and removed from us in God's plans. So in God's plan for us, when Jesus went on the cross, he went carrying our sickness, our pain, our suffering, our addiction, our, our, our immorality, our lash. He went on the cross with all these at his back. And what does that mean? That we will position ourselves. We will establish a relationship with God. We will obey the word of God. That is how what the word means by positioning so that we could receive the finished work of Christ seeking and asking for what God has done. Seeking and asking for healing. Seeking and asking for deliverance. Seeking and asking for the blessings of God. Seeking and asking for provision and supply. Seeking and asking for peace. Calmness and tranquility in our relationship. Seeking and asking for business doors of opportunity. Seeking and asking for our dreams and our vision to come to manifestation. We are to proclaim and confess these blessings that Jesus has given us. And you guys were worshiping with the song, Victory Belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. What victory belongs to Jesus? The victory that came as a result of him going on the cross. When he went on the cross, he came with victory. Hallelujah. And the second point, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gift by grace is part of Abraham's blessings of justification that came on us and the Gentiles. And who is a Gentile? The, the scripture described those that were not Jews as Gentiles. Those that were not born in Judaism as Gentiles. But as Christ died and grace we have found, we have also received Abraham's blessing of justification. 
by faith we could receive that blessing so that we will all receive what the promised spirit, the promised spirit through faith. And what is faith? Trusting and believing in God and the Son Jesus. The promise is called the Spirit. The promise is called the Spirit because out of the promise came Jesus and Jesus when he was living promised us the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Paracletus. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Hallelujah. Genesis, it said that Abraham believed, affirmed, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted, credited it to him as righteousness, doing right in regard to God and man. So we inherit this by faith. John chapter 1 verse 31 to 34 we just read for the sake of time. It was um, our inspirational creed. And go go to um, and thirty three. Go to thirty three quickly. And it said, John John the Baptist. Said, I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This one is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Go to 34. It says, I myself have actually seen that happen. And my testimony is that this is the Son of God. And indeed, when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, the word of the Lord said, uh, the Holy Ghost appeared on him and there was a voice that spoke from the heavens that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Beloved, we are not experiencing this miracle, this healings, this deliverances and the magnitude that we are supposed to have because as the word of the Lord described, John the Baptist said, he saw the Spirit of God come on Jesus, and the Spirit of God remained on Jesus. The Spirit remained on Jesus, and the Spirit of God used Jesus to heal the sick, to deliver the bondage and the captive, to bless people. But now we experience the Spirit come down. We experience the Spirit come in our midst. We feel the Spirit of God. We feel, you know, uh, uh, we feel different in a great worship or in a mighty prayer that the Spirit do not remain. The Spirit goes back up. Why? Because of the condition of our heart. Because of the condition of our heart. Many have looked at. We have things in our heart like unforgiveness or hate or bitterness, that things that are not supposed to be in our heart and therefore makes it difficult for the Spirit of God to come on us and remain to use us. Jesus 
promised Peter, shall you are the rock, I will give you the keys of heaven. And you will lock and unlock. You will lock and unlock. You will bind and loose. And most of the time we apply to prayer, but it, is, it was part of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It was part of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven that with a clean heart, we can receive the blessings of God. When our hearts are clean, when we pray, heavens will respond. When our hearts are dark, when we pray, heavens will not respond. Binding and losing. With a clear heart, when you pray, you unlock blessings from heaven. With a dark heart, a heart filled with darkness, filled with unforgiveness, when we pray, heavens do not respond to our prayers. Hallelujah. And let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 6 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8 says, so when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power and ability. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. So you, when this spirit is on you, when the spirit of God is in your life, when you have been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, as evidence of speaking in tongues, the unknown, unfamiliar tongue. But the book of First Corinthians describes two tongues. Tongue with no edge. In my teaching, uh, I have mentioned it. And tongues with edge. Tongues that we speak to edify to the church. And that will need interpretation. And tongue that we speak to edifies between us and God. That is what um, Apostle Paul described in the book of 1 Corinthians, um, I believe, chapter. Uh, I don't quite remember it yet because I'm not doing a teaching on that. But I believe it's first, somewhere in 1 Corinthians, I believe 12 14, if my memory serves me right. And so when we receive the power of the Holy Ghost, we are empowered to do great work for God. We are empowered to be able to manifest the signs, the evidence of the power. Hallelujah. Beloved, the spirit baptism is referred to as the promise. Why? Because Christ is the direct agent to baptize his followers in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. All blessings, even the spirit baptism, come through what? Redemption and atonement. Redeeming us from the curses, breaking the curses, and atonement, forgiving us of our sins. So when our sins are forgiven, is one, one part, but then after the forgiveness of sin, we are to be redeemed from our curses, from 
our sicknesses, our diseases, our infirmity, we are to receive healing and get deliverance. Hallelujah. And the third point, we find healing through grace. We find healing through grace. By the grace of God, we receive our healing. Beloved, why? Because when man fell, we were disconnected from God. We were disconnected from the Spirit of God. And the wages of sin, the word of the Lord says is what? Is death. The wages of sin sometimes is death. And this type of death could manifest in sicknesses, disease, and, and illnesses. This type of cash could manifest in generational curses, financial curses, and all that hold us in bondage and in captivity. But through redemption and atonement, we receive blessings in diverse phases. We receive blessings in diverse phases. Diverse phases of blessings. Diverse levels of blessings. And this is financial freedom. This could be uh, set free from generational cases. This could be sicknesses, disease, and infirmities being destroyed over our lives through the grace of God when we refer to as the as power in the blood of Jesus. What does it mean by power in the blood of Jesus? It manifests the blessings, the victory that Christ achieved for us when he went on the cross. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 45. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 45. It says, but in fact, he has borne our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows and pains. Yet we ignorantly assume that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, and our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. The punishment required for us to be well what fell on Jesus when he went to the cross. Required for our well-being fell and by his stripes, what by his wounds, we are healed. By the stripes that Jesus bore at his back, all the beatings, all the whooping, all the spitting, all the pain, all the shame Jesus went through. By that, we receive our healing. Hallelujah. By his stripes, we are healed. And the fourth point, by grace, we receive unity as Christians in Christ Jesus. The fourth point, by grace, we receive unity as Christians in Christ Jesus. By grace, we receive unity, oneness as Christians in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? All races, all classes and sexes are one and equal in rights and privileges which is the Abrahamic blessings. It says, through you, Abraham, 
I will, you will be a blessing unto many. I will bless you, and all the nations of this that shall be blessed because of you, Abraham. Beloved, as the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are one in unity, in one passion. Hallelujah. It says, as the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are one in God, we also that have come to Christ, we have received that same type of unity, and therefore we receive equal rights and privileges that as a result of the Abrahamic blessings. Abraham blesses our mind. What does that, that, that song mean when you sing that song? The fifth point, through grace, the glory hereafter is revealed, which is life eternity. Through the grace of God that we receive out of the, the, the cross, out of the work of Jesus on the cross, out of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because when he died, he said, it is finished. Through grace, the glory hereafter is revealed, which is life eternal. So through grace, we receive life here on earth, and also we receive eternal, 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 eternal life. Eternal life is life after death. Amen. Life after death is referred to as life eternity. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him, a savior, shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus, when they die, they will, that will not be the end of their life. They will not end up in the lake of fire, but they shall receive life eternal. They will be resting in the arms of the Father. And let's look at 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment of the world but that the world might be saved through him. The, the reason for Jesus coming was to save all of us. Not one, not two, not three, but to save everybody. Hallelujah. And so, we, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, where sometimes people question the fact, is there a heaven and is there a hell or the lake of fire? Let's look at what Christ said. He said, do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith, hold on to it. Rely on it. Keep going and believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would not have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what, come back again and I will take you to I'll take you to myself so that where I am, 
you may be also. Where I am, you may be also. That is what the description of heaven. So we see in the second coming of Christ, when we see any calamity, when we see any catastrophe, when we see the earthquakes uh, and on the chaos and the confusions and the wars that is going on all around us in different continents, in different nations, we begin to question it. Is this the time for Jesus to come again? Is this signs speaking of the second coming of Christ? So he promised he is going to prepare a, a place for you and I. And he is going to come back and get us. So either he comes whilst we are still alive, or he comes and after judgment, our lifestyle in him wins us a place to be where he is, which is the heaven. The sixth point, grace provides our strength in our weaknesses. Grace provides strength in our weaknesses. Grace provides strength in our weaknesses. Grace is equated to the power to do ministry. We are to be empowered by the grace of God to do ministry, to serve God, and to work for God. We are to be empowered by grace so that we do not easily give up when we don't see with our eyes what God is trying to do. When we have the grace of God, we, we have the power to go through whether, it is, whether it's easy or whether it's difficult. When we have grace, when God gives us his grace, when we receive the grace of God, we are empowered to go through difficult, trying, and challenging times. We are able to stand in and do a ministry. When you receive the, the voice that go and pray for somebody, when in your self, you do not feel like praying for nobody. You do not feel like praying for nobody. You do not feel like coming to church. You do not feel like coming to serve in the ministry. You do not feel like going out to feed the poor. You do not feel like going out to feed the homeless. But by the grace of God, we are empowered that we do not look at ourselves, our circumstance, but we walk by the leading of the Spirit of God. So when God speaks, it's church today. You don't, you don't look at if somebody is coming or not coming. You're just there to do the work of God. Hallelujah. It takes the grace of God to do that. And also we need grace to work with God. We need grace to work with God, including the suffering that we have to experience as Christians. In our Christian life, sometimes we experience suffering. We need the grace of God to go through and this suffering I'm talking about is the challenging times, is the trials, is the test that we have to go through to experience spiritual growth. The same way as when we are in school, we expect a test. We expect that 
our instructors give us a text at the end of the semester or at every show often, we know that we are going to take a test. And what the test is, is to promote us. Is to give us promotion to the next level in our education. So it is also that God takes us through a spiritual test. A spiritual test is to promote us. It's our next level of spiritual growth. We have to go to a test to receive it. And the test God takes us through, our spiritual test from God, is to humble us. It's to humble us. It's to bring humility before God releases the blessing. God takes us through a test to humble us, to take pride out of us before he releases the blessing so that you do not say, I did it. It is by my skills. It is by my, my wisdom. It is, I'm a genius. You, you hear people say that, I'm a genius. Wow, I'm a genius. It is by my own wisdom. Hallelujah. It takes the, the humility of God that comes through tests we go through. God takes us through a series of tests to humble us so that we will not be prideful before the blessings. And for that matter, not receive the accolades, the applause of men when we see, when men see our blessing, they begin to applaud us. Oh, look at the nice car he or she is driving. Oh, look at the nice house. Oh, look at this. Oh, business is flourishing. Oh, look at the children. Oh, look at an awesome relationship. We do not only receive that, but we say it is by God's doing. When God, when people applaud you for your blessings, you do not receive it, but you let them know, oh, it is by the grace of God, or it is by God's doing. God uses this test to teach us how to give him God all the glory. All the glory. All the glory. When we are not humble through tests that God sends, we will begin to be prideful. Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. This was Paul that was going through a situation. This is the man that God anointed and empowered to write to text of the Bible. To write to text of the Bible. Let's look at it. It says, because of the surpassing greatness and extraordinary nature of the revelations which I received from God, for this reason, to keep me from thinking of myself as so important, a tongue in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan. And this, this is Apostle Paul. This is the great man that wrote to text of the Bible. He said, because of how God used me mightily, because of how God used me to preach the gospel and wrote much of this Bible, God wanted to humble me 
So he sent a messenger of Satan. And what was the reason for the messenger of Satan? He said, to prevent me from thinking of myself as so highly important, a tongue in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment and harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. Hallelujah. Because of the magnitude of the blessing, God had to find a way to prevent him from seeing himself as the greatest, as the most anointed. But God sent Satan a messenger so that anytime he began to think of himself as the greatest prophet, as the greatest uh, pastor, as the greatest preacher, that, that thing came to, I don't know how it was, but it was like some type of a pain or uh, some, I don't know what it was, but it brought him pain. And it reminded him to humble himself because he didn't do all by his own self. It was God that used him to achieve all that. So that, that messenger, and so let's look at that. Which verse was that? Uh, verse 8 says, Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available. Listen to that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your witness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my witnesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Let's look at 10. So I am well pleased with witnesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able and truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. As long as he sees himself as a weak person in need of God's help, as long as he sees himself humbly as a servant of God, as long as he sees himself as someone who has no power, the more God releases his grace and power into his life. Hallelujah. That is how we have to see ourselves. But beloved, I shall close. The test we go through unravels God's plans for the destiny of our lives. It is through the test we go through that God unravels his plans for our life. So God's plan for our destiny it's manifested through the test we go through, through the test he sends our way. Joseph, we all remember, he had a dream, and to become a great, he, you know, all the dreams Joseph had that his brothers hated him, they were all speaking about his greatness, and indeed, the dreams came in, and Joseph became a prime minister. And as well, 
through the same plan God had for him, he also was chosen to help his family. Was chosen to help his family. But let's look at the test he had to go through. He was hated by his brothers. They sold him uh, to slavery. He ended up in uh, the master Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him. When he escaped, uh, the wife lied on him and he was thrown into prison. Hallelujah. And from prison, he rose to become the prime minister. But if God had told Joseph, hey, little Joseph, you are going to be the president of the United States of America. You are going to be the president of uh, a great nation somewhere. But this is what you are going to be going through. He said, hey, little Joseph, you are going to be a president of America, but this is what you're going to be going through. You're going to be going through that. You're going to be going through this. What would Joseph have said? Joseph would have said, no, Lord, let it pass me by. I don't want to be a president. Let me be the little shepherd boy. Hallelujah. If God had told you, first lady, that you are going to be leading a church, and say, hey, you know, you are prophesying your husband will be a pastor and you'll be the first lady. Yeah, God, thank you. Bring it on, God. But if God has said you are going to go through these troubles, you are going to go through these problems, you're going to experience sleepless nights, you're going to be working so much, your body feel like dropping up, you are going to be saying, oh, Lord, let it pass me by. Oh, Lord, come on, come on. But look at Many people look at the vision that God gives us. Look at many people that it will bless. Look at so many people whose blessings are tied into your blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. So God uses the test to unravel his plans for our lives. Let's give God all the glory. Let's bless you. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor.